welcome to the Heat Check Podcast presented by Simply Healthcare. I'm David Wilson. I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. What's going on, Anthony? Not much, David. How are you? Not much. Uh, did you enjoy your offseason? It was so fun and so long. Man, I'm just so ready for the season to start. It's been a while. Yeah, well, you had last week off, so that, that's good no, enough. Yeah, right? it's been it's been it's been good. It's <laughs> been good. I'm, I'm I'm ready to to get started. Um, it's gonna be a crazy few weeks between the draft. It's like I, I feel like as soon as the draft is over, just nobody's gonna care about it because free agency is like 24 hours away after that. Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting few days next week. Yeah, it's gonna be. We're gonna talk about the draft in the back half. It's gonna be you know, and usually like the draft. Even after the so the draft happens and you got a couple of weeks till free agency opens, yeah. Um, but then like the draft kind of slides back into focus because you go to summer league and you know the rookies are in the spotlight and and that kind of becomes the talk of the league for a couple of weeks. That obviously won't exist this year, so it's going to be a weird year. Well, we can talk about this in the back half when we talk about the draft, but um, you know, the, the, like you said, this draft is just not going to have the spotlight on it at all, and. I think a lot of people are not going to be too upset by that if you you hear the way people have been talking about this draft. Um, yeah, I also feel like teams are just so so tired of like this draft class. Just because oh my god, yeah, how long? You know, like it's November already and the draft still hasn't happened. So yeah, I've been yeah, thinking about the same players for oh, like yeah. eighteen months basically. And it's not particularly you know it's not a bad draft class, but it's not the best. So. Um, I, I think people are ready to get past this draft at this point. So we, uh, I guess last time we recorded, I think two weeks ago, we had Tim Reynolds on. We talked about what was probably going to happen with the league calendar um, and basically everything we expected um, yeah. came to be, yeah, right? Pretty, 22. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's twenty. It's 72 games, December 22. Um, free agency, uh, basically 48 hours after the draft on uh, November 20th, um, and then signings could start on the 22nd, which is that Sunday. Yep. Um, and the luxury, the salary cap and the luxury tax remain flat, so it stayed the same from last season, which I think um, a lot of teams were kind of operating under that assumption. Um, the unknown is the cap in future years, which right. is kind of important for the Heat because the Heat are planning for 2021. Um, but the good news for the Heat is that, you know, basically they said that the salary cap and the tax will increase, you know, by a minimum, by at least 3%, um, by a max of 10%. Um, so obviously for the Heat, they would like this to increase as much as possible. Right. But it's at least going to get to $112 million, which um, they should be able to fit a max guy under that. I mean, they might it might be a little tighter. It might mean sacrificing another guy on their roster, maybe, um, to make that work. But it, it's possible. Um, but I, I think the thing is, you know, so many teams would benefit from a higher salary cap that year because so many teams have planned for that offseason. But I think teams will – we might see it get up to like 115, something like that, something a little more than 112 just because, you know, so many teams would benefit from a higher salary cap, especially that offseason. Yeah, and you know what? We got a vaccine coming, so uh... – Right. So maybe, yep. maybe – I mean, I know the expectation is not really to have fans in the building at some point, but – or in a significant capacity, but um, we've obviously been operating on like a day-by-day existence for uh, nine months now. So I, I think, you know, obviously 
it's impossible to know what, like you're saying, what the salary cap will be like, but um, I don't know. I feel like the whole world's a little bit more optimistic now than maybe they were, even even when this was announced, whatever whatever it was, 48 hours ago. Um, yeah. What, th- for this free agency, this, this offseason, the quick start, it seems like it probably shouldn't affect too much because, I, like we said, this is what teams have basically been planning on. Yeah, I mean, this is basically the, this has been the assumption now for the past basically the season ended. Um, so the Heat should be able to, if they want to, um, offer huge one-year deals to yeah. Goran and Jay, keep them if those guys want to stay. Um, and you know, they might have even have enough money to to keep. You know, if Udonis wants to come back, you know, he'll be back. Obviously, you know, Derek Jones Jr. is a different case, which we've discussed in the past. You know, he might be looking for a multi-year contract yeah. in in this uh, in this point of his career. Um, but yeah, they, they should be able to keep Jay and Goran um, with those one-year deals, and if, if those guys will take a one-year deal, and they will still have the exception to add to the roster, um, $9.3 million exception, which you know should be able to net them a pretty decent contributor. You know, yeah. that, you know, you could split that, you could split that among two players, but if they want to go out and get, you know, a, I don't know, Paul Millsap or. Uh, somebody like that, they they could use that entire exception on a guy who could come right. in and immediately contribute, you know, as a reserve or off the bench, uh, give them solid minutes. So it really doesn't impact that much um, in the grand scheme of things. One thing I wanted to mention, actually, because I don't think we – I think this happened after the last time we recorded. It was My, Myers Leonard. Um, he's, he kind of did the media rounds yeah. a few weeks ago. With his Coors Light um, bus. With his, with his amazing Coors Light bus. Um, and he, you know, I, I asked him about free agency, and he said he wants to stay with the Heat. Like, he sees that he thinks he could fit there. He enjoyed his time in Miami. Uh, but it was interesting that he said he, he wants, like, with the, he, he's not okay with staying here and not playing, basically. Right. Like, he wants a, quote-unquote, significant role, and he defined that as 20 to 25 minutes. Which was interesting because I don't even think he averaged that many minutes when he was starting. But yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, like I, I don't know if the Heat can promise him that. So that that's interesting. I know I know there, there's probably mutual interest there. Myers liked it here. The Heat enjoyed him as a player. You know, especially that first half of the season, and he was a good teammate, a good leader in the locker room. Um, but I don't know if you can promise Myers Leonard um, a chance to play 20, 20 to twenty five minutes on this roster, especially with with the, with the brand of basketball they played last, you know, last season toward the end where they played small and they played Jay and, you know, they have so many wings that they could turn to um, that they don't really need a third big playing big minutes. Even a second big doesn't, you know, yeah. Kelly even played that many minutes in the house. So uh, it's going to be, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised now at this point after hearing that comment if, if Myers is not returned, um, but I guess we'll see. Myers averaged 20.3 minutes per game in the regular season. So kind of right at so the bottom of I guess that, that I guess – yeah, I guess that would fall under that then, but... Um, but, like, yeah, like you're saying, I mean, that was partially because they were slow playing Goron, and they obviously, Jay Crowder was not around for the vast majority of the regular season, and Iguodala was not around, so they're, you know, the, if, if there had been a, regu- a normal 82-game regular season, he probably would have been under that 20-minute threshold, just if they had finished the season regularly with um, those guys all around. Um, yeah, and... Just, and- and we'll talk about it, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. But um, if the Heat dropped another big man, right? I mean, yeah, that, that complicates matters even more. Yeah. Just generally, how are you feeling about the season starting in six weeks? Um, it's a lot. 
it's it's a lot. I mean, there's a lot to get done. I think everyone around the league is kind of not surprised because we've seen this coming out for like two or three weeks. Um, but everyone is just like, okay, we got to get going. Like, there's, yeah. there's a lot to get done in just a little amount of time. Um, you know, usually what's gonna what's what's about to happen over these next three or four weeks before camp usually is spread out over like two months. Right. <laughs> and we're doing it over three weeks, so. It's not unprecedented, like lockout shortened seasons, like this happens as well. Um, I don't know about the draft, but for agency, like, you know, I know the last lockout shortened yeah. season in 2011, basically teams are still signing free agents at the beginning of camp, which is probably going to happen this year too. Yeah. Um, so it's not, that, it's not like it hasn't happened before, but it is going to be a whirlwind, especially for the Heat, which feels like they just finished their season, like, Two yeah. weeks ago, but yeah, I mean that's anyway. obvious. We talked about it last time, but you know, for the Heat and the Lakers, and you know, the Celtics and the, and the Nuggets, and, and even you know the the Clippers and the, you know the teams that made it to the conference semifinals, this is probably a yeah. little annoying. Like we, we, I mean, they had, obviously had time off in the middle of the season, but you know, they just played really yeah. intense basketball. You get basically two months off, you go right back at it. But for the um, for the Knicks and the teams that didn't make the bubble or even the teams that were out, um, you know, in the first round of the playoffs or, or didn't make the postseason, you know, those eight teams that came to the bubble and, and didn't get into the playoffs, this is probably, you know, they're, I'm sure they're kind of itching to go, ready to go. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the, I'm sorry. That's the important yeah. economy of all. It's like there's so many teams that it's like such a short offseason, historically short, but then there's eight teams where it's that historically long. Yeah. Yeah, and I read an interesting story, I think, you know, um, on ESPN recently, that people are more worried, like, doctors are more worried about the players who haven't played in the NBA game since March yeah. than guys who just finished playing just because it's, like, it's hard to just jump into NBA action after that long of a layoff. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm yeah, sure, like we talked about last time, like, well, obviously, like, we don't know what Goran's injury status is. Like, there are ways that it hurts the heat. We don't know what Bam's injury status is. Um, and then just like, I'm sure that, you know, they're going to do a little bit more, uh, load management with Jimmy than they would have in a regular season. You know, just, you know, the guys who, who really played huge minutes down the stretch, um, you know, they, they deserve a little bit of a rest and, and to be eased in. And, um, especially if we're playing a lot of, you know, going to play more back to backs and two and three and I don't, I, we have, obviously yeah. the schedule's not out, but it's going to be a condensed schedule. So yeah. The league's going to be different yeah, than normal, obviously, this year. Yeah, and you, you would think that would lead to a lot of guys reopening, um, even if it's a one-year deal yeah, like, yeah. around the league. I mean, guys are going to, if they get big money, they're going to leave to their, their team to sign right. elsewhere. But but uh, you would think more often, you know, more often than most years, like, this is, there's going to be a lot of guys who just say, let's just resign here. I don't want to <laughs> have to transition to a new city, a new team in a matter of a week to start practice. Like, let's just, you know, let's just stay. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see less movement than usual just because of mm-hmm. the circumstances. Last thing on the uh, return to play part of things. What are, what's the kind of the expectation right now for what they're going to do? You know, cause obviously cases are spiking in a degree that they have yeah. not at all during this whole pandemic. And um, you know, it seems like the whole SEC basically canceled this weekend and, and every NFL team, it seems like has cases. We talked about this when, when uh, Tim Reynolds was on that, you know, if you have an outbreak on an NBA team, you lose three guys that, you know, your your season could be basically ruined um, or, you know, your roster. Is there 
that seems like the next thing that the league has to figure out is what are they going to do with in regards to like a taxi squad or you're not going to probably I don't know if the G League is going to play, but what are you going to do with you know these teams have to have more than 15 guys available? Yeah, I mean that that there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered. Um, I, I think it's hard to you can't ignore the fact like you mentioned that this season's probably going to start at maybe the worst point of this pandemic, which is kind of crazy, and teams are going to be traveling. Um, and yeah, I mean, there, there's health and safety protocols that have to still have to be worked out, um, which I know is being, you know, worked on right now, but, um, that's, that's a lot. It's not, you're not going to be in a bubble anymore. There are going to be positive tests. Um, will there be a G league season? I'm not even sure. Like you mentioned, I'm not, I'm not even yeah. sure about that, but, um, you'd have to think roster, you know, the roster rules will be a little different just like they were in the bubble where two way guys were allowed to be. Um, with the team and eligible for the playoffs, which usually they are not. But even aside from that, like you said, there might be even additional players. Maybe a team is allowed to carry 20 guys instead of 17 yeah. um, just because, you know, as insurance. Um, if there is a G League season, you know, what does they do? It's not like they have a, their G League team is in Naples. They're in South Dakota. Like, yeah. they get to Miami. That's really what they probably should do is move the G League teams to their affiliate cities for the year or something. And, you know, just, you know, if they're not going to have fans anyway, just, like, basically have, like, a JV varsity kind of set up. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, like, usually the day after the draft, you have a bunch of teams signing all these undrafted guys um, to summer league rosters. Yeah. You have teams signing 10, 12 guys. So that's not going to happen this year. There's no summer league. Um, so, but that's, I mean, there's still going to be undrafted guys signed. It just won't be as many. Yeah. But I think those guys will still be important just because, I, you know, for the Heat, you know, they, they might fill out their roster. If they're, if team if teams in the hypothetical, that they're allowed to get, carry up to 20 guys, like the Heat will probably have to sign and fill it out with like three undrafted players just to have those extra bodies. Yeah. Um, and the Heat have a good history with undrafted players. So, um, yeah, it, there's a lot to, like, yeah, we know some of the concrete dates and some of the big dates, but there's a lot that still needs to be worked out. I know the Heat are currently working on what they're going to do as far as fans in the arena. Yeah. Like the hope is they will have some amount of fans at the AAA this season. Um, but you know, what is that going to look like? Like what you know, this is not outdoors, so it's going to be indoors, which is a little different. Um, will it be? I mean, it has to be fluid because things could look a lot different in a month when the season starts than right now. You know, if, if there's 250,000 cases a day in this country in December 22, it's hard to imagine there'll be any fans at, at games. So mm-hmm. um, there's so much still up in the air. There's so, so much uncertainty um, that it's, yeah. I mean, aside from all the roster uh, building that will be done in the next few weeks, like there's a lot of health, safety stuff that also needs to be worked out uh, in the coming weeks. All right, let's take a uh, quick break, and we will come back with uh, our draft preview. All right, we are back, and it is uh, uh, an episode 18 months in the making, the uh, 2020, 2020 NBA draft preview. I honestly couldn't remember if, like, if this is the, we're in the, even in the right year, but we are. 2020 NBA draft preview uh, coming, what is it now, five months late. Um, I guess we'll, we'll start big picture. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll touch on a couple specific guys later on. Um, I, I know there's a couple of names that, you know, the Heat have been connected to that are pretty interesting, but I guess just big picture, what, what do you kind of think the Heat should be doing at this number 20 pick? I think is there a position or is there a trade? Like, uh, yeah. Not even just, just total big picture. Well, if you're the Heat, what are you thinking well, going into this draft? 
if there's a prospect they really like, really, really like at 20, I would, I would make the pick. Um, I think a big who could shoot threes and can protect the rim, and there's a guy who fits that profile that we can discuss in a little bit <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that might be in their range. Um, they, you know, I think that would be a good fit. Obviously, the Heat could never have enough wings, so even a wing might, uh, you know, might be a good fit as well. Wing who could who could defend another good, really good defender who can also stretch the floor. Um, a th- kind of a three and D guy. If you can get a three and D guy at twenty, who's a who's a rotation player, like that's a win. Yeah. Um, so I, I think those two things might make sense. Um, also, but I, you know, I'm writing something actually today about the possibility of trading this pick. Might make sense as well, especially if there's you know if the, if they're just like eh about the guys who, yeah. who fall to them at, at that slot just because the heat do not have an unprotected first round pick to trade until 2028 um and because you can't make a trade uh, you can't trade a pick uh further than seven drafts away like that means they do not have an unprotected first round pick to trade right now which is kind of concerning considering there's all this discussion about trading for bradley beal and there's all this yeah. trading for just different stars and adding another star player to the roster like if you don't have a first round pick I don't know what star you're going to be able to trade for. So, um, you know, obviously there's ways to facilitate that in a three-team deal or something, but the easiest way is to have your own first-round pick you could deal. So if you could trade this pick for a future unprotected, you know, 21, 22, or 23 pick, you know, I don't know how easy that will be. It's not a high, high pick, but you might be able to get it done. All of a sudden you unlock a few picks you could deal uh, in a potential trade. So, that's why I think that to me is the biggest argument aside from just saving uh, salary. Um, uh, that to me is the biggest argument to trading this pick um, just because of the ramifications it could have in, in, in including other picks in a deal for uh, say Bradley Beal or um, Victor Oladipo or somebody like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, some years you go into a draft picking a guy um, you know, especially when you're like a contender, which the Heat are now, it can be hard to like, and you're close to capped out, which the Heat are not capped out, but they're obviously saving room for, for Giannis. So it's not like they can like go add two superstars this off season. Right. You need to like get guys through the draft, right? Like, you know, that's part of why the Warriors thing kind of crumbled. Um, other than the injuries is they had no depth because they were missing on a lot of draft picks. Um, obviously, you know, when you draft 30th every year, it's hard to do that. Um, so, you know, good teams, obviously you saw it with the Heat, good teams are good a lot of times because they draft rookies who can help them right away and obviously become good players. It's like we were touching on earlier, no summer league, you know, barely any training camp. It's hard to know how good rookies are going to be this year. Um, I think that's a fair concern. So if you're a team like the Heat where you're, like you were saying, obviously, where part of the plan is, is trading for guys, um, you know, trading for a superstar potentially. And if you don't think this, you know, you're obviously in a title contending window right now. If you don't think a guy you get at 20 is going to be a major help to you right now and you have no idea what this roster is going to look like in a year anyway, then the trade, I think, potentially makes a lot of sense. Um, on the flip side, people do really like this draft, kind of, you know, it, people will talk about it's not a great top of the draft. There's really no consensus about who the number one guy is. Um, it feels like the, like, top ten could basically go in any order. Um, but after that, people kind of like this draft, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's what, yeah, that's what I've read and heard as well. Like, it's not a top-heavy draft, but 
the guy you get at 20, like, there's not much of a drop-off between, like, 11 and 20. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's – you could get a contributor at 20. There's enough good players in this draft. Um, and there's some that I think could help the Heat immediately. And, you know, there is an argument to be made about, like you said, having a guy – um, at 20, you know, a rookie that you could develop, which he does a really good developmental system. Yeah. And you have him under team control for five years at a very team-friendly contract. Um, those guys are valuable, especially when you might have three max guys on your roster in a year, like if the plan if the plan comes to fruition. So, um, you know, there, there is an argument to be made to exercise the pick, I think. Um, but, Again, I think it depends on who's there. Yes, right? I think like, it's going to entirely there? depend on that, who the Heat like. Um, you know, they're, they, I guess the other thing, they don't have a second round pick, right? Which makes it a little bit trickier because, you know, sometimes you can pass on a guy. You know, you, you don't have to reach for a guy if you have that second round pick, which I think, because the Heat clearly just get guys they like. They're not going to draft a guy because we're like, they think other teams are going to take him. Um, but you can, I think especially this year, if you're willing to spend, you're going to be able to buy a second round pick. Yeah. Um, that's what I was going to say. Like my, if they, if he want a second round pick, they'll be able to get one yeah. just because they have not, I don't think they've used any of their cash. Um, yeah. this league, this league calendar, 18 months. I don't even know. It's not even a year. It's been yeah. 18 months, but they have basically, I think 5.2 million or around there a little more, um, cause the cap went up, but to spend on a pick, which that doesn't cost that much to buy a second rounder. So yeah. Um, I know that they've been linked to a few of the Kentucky guards that are projected in the second round. Uh, I think they've interviewed um, one of them um, quickly. Yeah, quickly uh, from Maryland. Twice. Yeah, yeah, from Maryland. There you go. He's, they've interviewed him twice. Yeah. Um, so you could see that they're a little interested in him. And I believe and uh, Miami was a finalist to land him, if I remember correctly. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. They have a history. They have a recent history with Kentucky guys. So um, maybe they, maybe like you said, maybe they trade the first round pick, they buy a second rounder, and they add a rookie that way. Yeah. Um, but there's there's different there's creative ways that they could still add a rookie with trading the pick. Um, but I, I really think it's important somehow, whether it's trading this pick or lifting the protections off the pick they owe Oklahoma City in 2023. They have to unlock some of these picks to deal. Yes. Yeah. I just don't know how you added a star. You know, I mean, they have they have talent on the roster, they have assets on the roster, but when teams are trading away a superstar, they want picks in return. Yeah, and the Heat just don't have any to offer right now. All right, should we talk about some specific guys now? Yes, yeah, do it. All right, I've got a, quite a few guys written down. I kind of tried to break them into tiers. Uh, we'll start with the, I think the two most interesting guys to talk about. Um, one because of his name and one because it's a guy that I think both of us really like and they play the same position. So first guy I have written down is Vernon Carey Jr. Obviously the son of Vernon Carey Sr. Uh, Miami Hurricanes and Dolphins, uh, legend. I don't know. I don't know if legend with the Dolphins, but legend with the Hurricanes. Um, you know, obviously a star offensive lineman, um, Vernon Jr. Played at U school in, uh, Fort Lauderdale. Um, so a lot of local ties there picked Duke over Miami, um, kind of more of a traditional big, uh, with some skill though. And then the other big I have written down is Jalen Smith, uh, from Maryland, a floor spacing, big, really shot the ball really well as a sophomore, uh, in Maryland and some questions about. Some of his defensive ability, but he's also a you know good rim protector and and a guy who I think in a lot of ways is still raw. Um, 
Barry Jackson reported the Heat met with Vernon Carey uh, this week, I guess. Jalen Smith is a guy that I think was like the first guy they were linked to basically right after the season ended and a guy that, you know, I'm, I'm a Maryland guy. I'm a little, little biased, but I think he's a good fit. And I know you've kind of come around on him also. Yeah, I mean, you know, like we've discussed a lot in the past year, um, you, you need a specific big to fit next to Bam, especially if you're going to play Bam. Uh, not as a traditional center. Um, you need a guy who can stretch the floor because right now doesn't have that in his game. And you need a guy who can protect the rim um, because if you want some in the perimeter, the rim. So um, I mean, it seems like Jalen Smith does both those things fairly well for uh, for a draft prospect. He's a pretty good outside shooter. He's a above average shot blocker. Um, so he seems to fit the mold. I know he he, he is a I guess one of the one of the knocks on him is that he's a little thin. He has to add weight to his frame. So, you know, that might be, you know, the heat's conditioning for him. Yeah. Take I tend not to worry about guys being thin coming out of college. I remember people saying the same thing about Anthony Davis. Yeah, I mean, and especially in this NBA where, like, I, I don't think size and strength is as coveted as a guy who could shoot the ball, a big who can shoot the ball and is athletic and can protect the rim. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think size is like as covered as it used to, as coveted as it used to be. So um, I think he's a good fit. You know, out of all the guys in that that range, that seems like a clear fit to me. Just because you know you could use you could lose Myers Leonard. Yeah. Um, Kelly Olynyk is expected to exercise exercise his player option, um, but he is a guy that if you're going to make a trade, you need his salary in a trade mm-hmm. because he's one of the, those guys who has that salary that could you know right. fit into a deal. Um, they don't. He don't have many of those actually right now on their roster. Um, and even if he don't, even if he keep him the entire year, he's a free agent next year. Um, and you're probably not going to resign him because if you're going to go big, you're not going to resign Kelly to a multi-year deal. So the Heat clearly need another big on the roster, a guy they can develop. And I think Jalen fits that role. Now with Vernon Carey, um, I know he could also stretch the floor, but I guess uh, he's not seen as as athletic as. Jalen Wright is that is that right? He's more yeah, of a, he's I don't even know much he more of like a traditional big man. Could he, could he play the four in the NBA or is he he's he's a center? Just I think he's a center he's in the modern NBA. He's, I mean, he kind of feels like he would have been like an awesome power forward in like 2000. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of think he's a center, but he's like he can handle the ball a little bit. Like he's got some skill to him. He's not just like a post up guy who rebounds and that's it. But he is a good post score, like you know, pretty good three point shooter. Shot thirty eight percent last year, albeit on pretty limited attempts. But um, you know, there's a obviously a good sign, um, and I I think he's a pretty good ball handler. Like he he is a guy who the way the Heat likes to play with you know where anyone can kind of bring the ball up at any time. Um, you know, he's not Bam, but I mean, obviously Bam wasn't Bam even at Kentucky, but. Yeah. You know, he maybe like Kelly Olynyk, like the way that Kelly can like bring the ball up and can, you know, kind of do that uh, fake dribble handoff stuff. Like, I don't think it's crazy to think that Vernon can do some of that. Um, and again, this guy was like the number three recruit in the country coming out of high school. Like it's, he put up huge numbers at Duke. He was an All-American. Just because he doesn't like, he's not a stretch five doesn't mean that there's not a place for him. Um, you know, this is a guy that yeah. at one point was kind of viewed as a potential lottery pick um and now you kind of see the projections all over for him and obviously you know i know the heat ultimately don't care about it but it would be pretty cool for vernon Carey jr to play for the heat 
Yeah, hometown guy. And, and, and it looks like he's gotten into really good shape, too. Yeah. I think he's dropped like close to 30 pounds, which um, that could only help him on the NBA level, especially with you know, like what we're talking about, lack of athleticism, lack of maybe foot speed. Um, that's going to help him at the next level. So, um, what, I mean, what you I You trust the genes with him, too, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, I know yeah, we talk yeah. about, like, not the greatest athlete, but, like, he's going to, like, I don't know, Vernon Carey Sr. is a pretty good athlete. Like, I, you trust yeah. if he's in shape, he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, I, I would not be surprised if it's either of those two guys. I mean, they seem to fit. I think Jalen Smith fits a little more just mm-hmm. because of his defense um, and maybe his up projected upside. Um, but but um, I, I would not be surprised if it's either of those two guys at 20. All right, the next guy I have written down is, and we can kind of maybe talk about the Kentucky guards we mentioned also, but I have Malachi Flynn written down, another guy the Heat were connected to, I believe. Um, you know, older guys, 22. Right. Um, but if you just, like, want a, another point guard, like a guy who can handle the ball, and, you know, I, I don't know if it's super necessary right now, considering you, know, you feel pretty good about none and – Goron, and then obviously, um, you know, Jimmy's basically a point guard. But, I mean, Malachi Flynn was awesome last year at San Diego State. They're the last undefeated team in the country. He was an All-American. Um, yeah, he's just, like, a good player. And he's a guy where if, you know, if some of the guys that are off the board for you and you just want a guy you can, like, maybe he's never going to be, like, a superstar, but kind of in that, like, I don't know, like, the way that, just like people took Malcolm Brogdon, you knew he was going to be good. Like that's kind of what Malachi Flynn feels like to me. Like he's probably not going to be like an all-star type guy, but he's just going to be useful. Like, and the Heat obviously like players like that. Yeah, it seems like he's one of the more ready guys, like NBA ready. Yeah, guys in the draft because of his age, twenty-two. Um, and yeah, I mean his upside might not be great, but you know, it's interesting. Like. We've talked about how the Heat are in a title, like their their window right now to win a title, like that's what they're going for. Yeah, and there are, that would, you know, you would think that that means they would want a guy who's ready right now to contribute. Um, but but part of me is like they don't like we've talked about they don't have many first round picks coming up. Yeah, I almost feel like they got to swing as big as you can. I don't know, you can't really swing big at twenty, but a swing swing as big as you can, um, just because you, you don't have many picks coming up. So. Um, I think the good thing with Malachi Flynn is he'll be ready probably to contribute immediately. And, you know, I don't know if they need a backup point guard. It could depend on here what happens with Kendrick Nunn in this offseason. If, you know, I would think he's still on the roster, but, you know, who knows what moves the Heat are going to make yeah. here in the next weeks. But, um, but you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think there are more guys, there are other guys who probably make more sense than Malachi at this point. Yeah, to me, Flynn feels more like, like the way we talked about quickly is a potential second round pick to buy, like, Flynn is a guy where if he's like around at thirty-five, and you're you feed, and you can suddenly buy a pick and go up and get him, then that's where he kind of makes sense to me. Um, yeah, I think there's a, a good group of like, there kind of t- always is like a group of older point guards who had really good college careers, um, are not necessarily viewed as lottery picks, but and you know some of those guys work out, some of them don't. Like Shabazz Napier, I always think of with the Heat, you know drafting him yeah. because LeBron liked him obviously didn't totally oh Napier's had a pretty good NBA career but like there's always a guy like that that kind of a couple of guys like that um and I think you know Flynn is in that category I think you know quickly falls in that category although he seems more like a, a lock to go in the second round um Devin Dotson from Kansas is another guy who's kind of in that category I think he's a little younger though 
Uh, Cassius Winston is kind of like the prototype in that category this year as a guy who, you know, the measurables and all that, you would not like think this guy is a, uh, like a star, but he obviously was awesome at Michigan state. I, I think I'm not reaching for one of those guys at 20. I think when, when there's a good chance, when you feel there's a good chance, you're going to be able to buy the 40th pick and maybe get one of them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think if you're left with that at 20, you might as well trade the pick and get a guy you can get a guy at that with that level of talent maybe that level of upside in the second round all right and then the next group i've got here i've just got a ton of wings written down basically um kira lewis is a name i've heard a lot of people like quite this is kira lewis is a guy where like when i say when i said at the top that there's a this is a draft where a lot of guys who are not really relevant in college uh seem to be people falling in love with them um, Kira Lewis falls in that category, a guy that I don't think I ever watched at Alabama, um, but apparently is great. So he's on the list. Um, I've got Sadiq Bey, uh, kind of a three and D type guy. Had it was an, I think he was like probably the best three point shooter in the country last year, not percentage wise, but just you know, he was a sniper for Villanova. Tyrese Maxey, a guy who came in with. He, I don't want to compare him to Tyler Hero, but he was a guy who came in and everyone's like, this guy's a sharpshooter, and then it never really happened, but he does a lot of other stuff. He's a Kentucky guy. Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt, another guy who I, I don't think I watched a single, single Vanderbilt game last year, but um, another awesome three-point shooter. Tyrell Terry, another guy in that conversation where it's he went to Stanford. I don't think I ever watched Stanford play, but uh, people love his three-point shooting ability. Um, and then... Who's the last guy? Uh, oh, and then I put down Desmond Bain. I've seen him mocked to the Heat. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily see it with him. You mentioned Josh Green is in the ESPN's is in ESPN's newest mock draft linked to the Heat. Um, any thoughts on anyone specifically in that group, or just big picture thoughts on those guys I listed? Well, I think Kira Lewis and Maxi stick out. Although I don't know if they'll be available. At yeah, it seems like um, Lewis is going to go higher. I'm not positive about Maxi. Yeah, I mean, Maxi seems to have risen on, on, on draft boards, especially mm-hmm. after he, he had that um, pro that pro day workout in California a few weeks ago that yeah. was televised live on ESPN and for clutch uh, for him and uh, and Anthony Edwards. Um, and he, he, I mean, his I think the biggest knock with with Maxi has been his shot, right? So right, he's supposed uh, to be a sharpshooter, and he only shot like thirty. He shot twenty nine percent. Twenty nine percent from three. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he his. His mechanics were like really strained in college, but it looks like he's cleaned that up. Um, he was shooting well in the workout, um, and he does a lot of other things. Well, he's a really good defender, mm-hmm. um, a guy who could get to the basket and has good touch around the basket. So, I mean, he would make sense as another guy who could, you could turn to as a scorer, probably off the bench, um, with Kentucky pedigree, um, has good upside, um, could be a really good defender on the perimeter. So he would make sense, but I don't know if he'll be there. I think he's risen on draft boards. And Kira Lewis as a backup point guard, another guy with upside too, um, that might uh, you know might fit as well. I know, you know, like we've said, they might not need a point guard right now, but you know, like we said, Kendrick Nunn, who knows where he'll be in a year or two, and yeah. Goron's getting older. Um, so you know, you might need to get a point guard on the roster at some point soon. So if Kira Lewis is available at twenty, I, I don't know how you pass him just because he is a guy who could really really you know i'll play his draft slot if he's at 20 yeah yeah mac like i said like i don't i try not to get too caught up in three point percentages 
in like one year of college, basically. Like Bradley Beal, I remember, was like only shot like thirty three percent from three his year at Florida. And you know, I, I mentioned Tyler Hero is kind of a comparison point for Maxi. That's why I kinda like Maxi. I think everyone talks about how good of a shooter he is. Obviously the percentages didn't like it didn't happen, but it kinda makes me think that you know, he did so much else well that um makes me think that like He's going to be better in the pros than he was in the NBA. Um, other than and that, I, I tried to he just... Was an, he, sorry, he was an 83% free throw shooter as well. Yeah, so and I, that's actually what I look at more, especially with big guys. But, um, yeah, that, that's what I look at, tend to look at more. Um, that tends to translate a little bit better. Um, yeah, that's I, I kind of just listed a lot of three-point shooters here. Like, just based on what we saw from the Heat, like, <laughs> this year, like, oh, give me Aaron A. Smith. Give me Tyrell Terry if this guy's as good a three-point shooter as people say he is. Like, right, Bay from Villanova. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Sadiq. Yeah, adding another shooter would not be a bad thing, especially if you're again, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But if you're looking forward, and you your target is Giannis, and you could potentially end up with a core of Bam, Jimmy, and Giannis, like you're going to need a lot of shooting with that team. Yeah, I mean, um, we don't know so, like what kind of contract is Duncan going to be getting. Like, are they going to be able to keep Duncan? five years down the road. Like there, there's some real questions with, uh, you know, some of the guys that heat fans are obviously excited about as the long-term part of the core that, um, you know, if you get Giannis, the core changes a lot. Um, and that's, you know, sack shooters to me. For sure. I mean, you, you just need a bunch of like, basically if you have those three guys, you just need the entire rest of the roster to be guys who can make threes. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe the heat go after shooting, um, they have never really, you know, it was interesting. I was talking to Chet Kammer, um, who used to led the Heat's draft yeah. scouting team for a long, long time before um, moving to a new position a few years ago. He was saying that Tyler Hero, one of his arguments to the Heat for drafting Tyler Hero was, we have never really spent a first-round pick on, like, a pure knockdown shooter. Yeah. We just have never done it. We've always gone after them in the second round, or as on a draft, a guy like Duncan Robinson, who we could develop um, into a you know three-point specialist. Um, but we have never gotten a guy like that in the first round, and they did it. So will they do it for a second year? I don't know. But, you know, they it, it did it last year pretty much, according to Chet, for the first time in, you know, in franchise history or one of the first times in franchise history, and it worked out. So maybe they'll do it again. Um, the last two guys I put down, I mentioned them earlier. I put them on because I've seen them mock to the heat in various places. Desmond Bain from TCU. Yeah. I, I don't really get it. Um, again, it kind of falls into that. Like the way we were talking about um, the point guards in the second round, I, I mean he's good. Like he had he had a very good career at TCU, really good senior season, was a good really good three point shooter. Um, but he's again twenty two. I think if you're the Heat, you, you got still like there's just more important needs than like a, a backup point guard, backup combo guard in the first round, especially one who um, you know what's his upside really. Um, Josh Green, I, I think, falls in the same category as these wings we were talking about. Um, he was a really big recruit going to Arizona. I think had like a slightly underwhelming season, um, but he's a good three-point shooter. He's like got he looks like an NBA player, six six with a six ten wingspan. Like he's got a lot of the traits that you look for, obviously, just like the eye test. Um, any particular thoughts on either of those two guys? I think Green kind of makes sense to me. I, there's guys I like more in that like three and D role, but um, I, I could easily see like the Heat loving him because of 
the combination of the skill set that is obviously a skill set they value and then the upside. Like, he might be the highest upside 3 and D guy. Like, he's the 3 and D guy who could become a, um, a, not a star necessarily, but, you know, like a starter and a guy who, like, can do some other stuff too. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're talking about 3 and D guys, Josh Green, like you said, maybe has the most upside. He's 20, um, has that. I think he you know, was like also, like, a top five recruit coming out of high school. Yeah, so he has that, you know, he's he's he has that potential. He has that the athleticism. He has the frame. I mean, like you said, six ten wingspan. Like he usually like guys who have length. Um, he could guard multiple positions. Uh, very good defender. You know, he didn't shoot well. It looks like at Arizona, but yeah. like we've said, uh, you know that that could be developed. Um, so I, you know, and and NBA Draft.net has his NBA comparison as Kelly Oubre, which if he turns into Kelly Oubre at twenty, like that's a huge win for the Heat. Yeah, um, and they could use a guy like that. But my, like my broader thought on three and D guys at twenty, I, you know, if I'm the Heat again, I, if you could trade the first round pick for a future first round pick, and through that unlock picks to trade and yeah. the deal, I just I wouldn't, you know, I would do that because the Heat have shown in the past they could create or help develop three and D guys, whether it's in the second round, whether it's an undrafted player like. You know, uh, I I just don't know um, if if three and D guy is enough at twenty. Um, if it's not a guy like Josh Green, you know, Josh Green, like you said, he has a little more upside. But if it's a you know a, a veteran college player who's twenty two and is going to be projected as a bench you know player three and D guy, if you have an opportunity to trade the pick, I, I think you you have to consider it. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how you know the way that the league obviously adjusts to what the good teams do well. And I think certainly teams are saw what the Heat did in term with you know drafting Tyler Hero is kind of he probably would have gone higher obviously in a redraft, but even like drafting or signing a guy like Duncan who did not have like a super productive career at Michigan, but I think anyone who watched him or watched him work out or, or you know really paid attention knew that he was like a maybe you know one of the best three point shooters in the country. And had, you know, at his size, like, he looked, his NBA size. Um, I wonder if the Heat could get, just, if, if a guy like Dunk, if if Duncan Robinson was coming out of college right now, we didn't know that he was going to become what he became in the NBA, but just, you see the combination of his skill and his size. I wonder if he would go undrafted. I, I think we might be coming upon a time where a guy who, just you, you see that one skill, even if it didn't lead to a great college career, be enough to get a guy drafted. Um, and so it'll be interesting. Like it's going to be like Aaron Neesmith, for example, a guy who was like, like I said, not a huge like factor in the college landscape at Vanderbilt last year. Um, would he be a first round? Uh, he might be a first round pick. I see average 23 a game, but you know, would he be talked about the way he's being talked about right now? Or Tyrell Terry is probably the better example, who, you know, at Stanford, a pretty bad Stanford team, averaged 14 a game, shot 40% from three. Like, would we be talking about him as a first-round pick? Would we be talking about him as even a second-round pick? I don't know. I mean, people weren't talking about him as a first-round pick a couple months ago. So I, I think the league, this draft is going to be weird in a lot of ways, but I think also... Um, the way 
teams value certain skills has obviously changed a lot. And um, I, I think the Heat showed like another way to use great shooters this year, the way they made their playoff run. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think shooting obviously is valued more than ever these days. And, you know, but it also it also hinges on falling in the right spot. Like yeah. the Heat's developmental program is so good. Yeah, I think a lot of teams are going to think they're finding the next Duncan Robinson, yeah. and then they realize it's a lot harder to make Duncan Robinson into Duncan Robinson. Yeah, it's, it's about developing them. It's about using them correctly. Like, you know, credit goes, a lot of credit goes to Duncan, obviously, but the way they, they, the way they use Duncan off screens and, and, you know, leverage his, his gravity, like with the offense is, you know, that's it's very well done. And they've made him into a guy who could literally stop on a dime and shoot very accurately from deep. Like that's, that's a very hard skill to develop. Mm-hmm. So that's partly Duncan, but it's also the vision they had for him. And they've made him into a, you know, he's not the best defender. He's not even above average defender, but he's serviceable on defense. Yeah. Like that's what the Heat do. Like they can make solid defenders out of maybe perceived bad defenders just because of their system and the way they drill it. So yeah, like no knock up to the Knicks, but if he, if Ducky Robinson goes to the Knicks, I don't know if he's this Ducky Robinson, you know, probably not. So, you know, it has to be, it has to be the right spot as well. All right, I think we can wrap things up there. Um, thanks, as always, for listening. You can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Um, he's got some draft previews and stuff coming out the next few days, I assume. Yep, draft previews and, I mean... Well, I am, like, too. season preview, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. Um, a lot of stuff going on all of a sudden after, you know, we had, we had a month off, basically. So, um, thanks, as always, for listening guys and uh we'll talk to you uh next week i guess we'll, we'll probably record live at least some of the episode live after the draft uh some reaction and and i guess a free agency preview so um yeah we'll talk to you uh, next week